I have a cat on either side of me. They're being loud. I've had two cups of coffees and I have the jitters. Let's do this shit. Welcome to Audie's Oddities. As always, my name is Audie and I'm here to tell you about the spooky and scary shit happening in our world. It is so good to be back, you guys. I went on a little bit of a hiatus. We won't talk about it. Sometimes you need a few months to get your shit together and mine's together and now I'm back. And I want to jump right in with a weird ass story. And that's why today I wanted to talk about the true events that inspired the Netflix movie, The Watcher. Now listen, I'm not trying to shit on people who make movies. I'm not trying to just come on here and shit upon everybody's hopes and dreams. But oh my god, did that movie high key suck. Maybe that's just my personal opinion, but please, if you watched the movie and you're thinking, oh my god, I don't want to hear this story again, let me just skip over this episode, I promise I am much more interesting. And this story is much more interesting than I could ever be. So please, take a seat, grab a snack, grab a drink if you freaking need it, and let's talk about the origin stories of The Watcher. So maybe it's just me, but I feel like whenever I'm researching crime cases or conspiracy theories, they always seem like they happened in the 70s to 90s. You know, it's kind of like history class where you're thinking, that's a couple years ago, I don't really want to think about that, whatever, not my time. Well, I hate to be the breaker of bad news, you guys, this one isn't our time. The events of this case started in June of 2014. A family of five consisting of three children and a mother and father named Maria and Derek were moving into their new home in New Jersey. Now, normally I don't just share the address of whatever place I'm talking about, but I'm going to this time. It's important throughout, just trust me. So they are moving into 657 Boulevard Lane. It sounds like such a movie address. Well, you know, they made a movie about it, so I guess it is. They had picked this $1.3 million home for their family of five because it was spacious in a lovely neighborhood that had a really low crime rate, surprisingly, and it was also close to Maria's childhood home. But unfortunately, only three days after moving in, they received this letter that's titled New Owner in Thick Blocky Lettering. Now, don't jump ahead and think that I'm talking this is full serial killer, someone cut letters out of magazines, taped them together, ransom letter. It's not totally that. It looks like a typed up, almost professional letter. And I'm here to read this letter word for word for you. Dearest new neighbor of 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. If y'all hear some random batting around, my cat is currently playing with one of her toy mice and I can't stop that. So if you hear something rattling, it's just my cat's joy, okay? Let it happen. This is the reality of a broke girl recording at home. And look, I might be broke, but my cat's happy, so you can't get me on that. Dearest new neighbor of 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. 
Look at any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. At the end of this letter, the author then signed as The Watcher in a cursive font. So step one is you scream when you open this letter, right? Because first off, he's watching you. He's watching your kids. He's saying he's going to call out to your kids and be creepy. This is top 10, like, worst case scenarios nightmare I could ever think of. I already don't like having regular human interactions. I can barely ask for my cup of coffee in the morning from a barista, let alone talk to this random stranger who has decided to threaten me through a typed up letter, cursively signed, The Watcher. And the way that this is signed, this was not the first time he signed this, okay? It's not like he typed up this letter and signed it willy-nilly. He had practiced this signature. I want to know how many notebooks he has filled of just The Watcher, The Watcher, The Watcher, over and over in 1,200 different fonts, trying to figure out what his signature was going to be. Because, come on, this guy knew it was going to be iconic, right? So obviously the family is pretty spooked by this letter, rightfully so. So Maria, the mom, starts contacting the previous owners who they bought the house from to be like, hey, what the hell did this ever happen before? So this is when we meet the Woods family, which was the old owners of the house. And the Woods family tells Maria, hey, so yeah, a couple days before we moved out and gave the house to y'all, we actually got one of those letters. But we had lived here for a couple years and it just seemed kind of weird and not that threatening. So we just, you know, chucked that sucker out. We really just crumpled it up, played basketball with the trash can with it and called it a day. And at this point, I imagine Maria is standing there with one eye twitching thinking, what? Why did you throw it away? So Maria's freaking out, telling the Woods family all about this letter that they got. And now the Woods family has confirmed they also got one of these letters. So they think it's time to go to the police. So the two families collectively go to the police together to make a report and the police immediately take over the investigation and tell them don't tell the rest of the neighborhood and get the neighborhood in a frenzy. Now, based on this neighborhood having a $1.3 million home and throughout doing research for this, finding out that there was lots of strange laws within the neighborhood, it seems like this was a big HOA, which to each their own, but I think HOAs are the stupidest thing we have ever come up with. I just personally think that there is more to worry about in the world than making sure that every house in the block is the same color of beige. But maybe that's just me, to each their own. But I'm saying this to maybe get you to understand that this neighborhood was a little uppity. And by uppity, I mean you have a lot of New Jersey women holding wine glasses ready to throw some hands when something goes down in their neighborhood. The Real Housewives didn't start from nothing, you guys. When the tea is hot, they will find it. And this was some tea that they did not want to spill just yet. So two weeks after the first letter arrived, they got a second letter. And believe it or not, this letter is creepier. This letter includes things like their surname, which was misspelled, but still, you knew the surname. That's creepy. He knew the children's birth orders and their nicknames, which is extra creepy when the last letter talked about calling out to these kids. And something that I remember being taught about when I was a kid was if someone's trying to get your attention, they will say your name because it gives you this false sense of trust. That's why my mom never put names on any of my stuff, like on the back of my shirt or whatever, because she didn't want somebody to be able to pick it up or see it from afar and know what my name is and call out to me. 
Also in this letter, the watcher is talking about watching the youngest daughter. He talks about watching this youngest daughter painting on this enclosed back porch. And he says, quote, is she the artist of the family? This is so creepy on so many levels. Why are you watching a little girl? Why are you watching her paint? Why is it on the back porch? Why, why, why? The letter goes on to read, and I quote, It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. Sell the house. Sell the house. Burn the furniture. Change your names. Move countries. Leave. No. That would be the only words I could get out after receiving such a letter. Hey, you know how I'm here to tell you about the spooky and scary shit happening in our world? Well, I'm here to tell you about something happening right now. Do you love Halloween? I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you have to, right? Well, have you ever wished that there was another time to celebrate that fun and spooky time of year other than October? Well, if you live in the Athens, Georgia area, now you can! HauntFest is a Halloween slash horror festival business that celebrates Halloween in the spring rather than the fall. So you can get two times as spooky twice a year. The next festival is coming up super soon, April 6th and 7th, and it's going to include some awesome spooky activities. So if you like hay rides, freak shows, fire breathing, live music, trivia, pumpkin painting, animal encounters, a haunted trail, and much more, make sure that you come out April 6th and 7th to the Southern Brewing Company in Athens, Georgia. The festival will also be hosting an array of horror and Halloween-themed vendors, offering things like antiques, tarot readings, original horror literature, macrame artwork, jewelry, and oh yeah, I'll be there. That's right, if you want to come hang out with me, I will be there selling some of my artwork along with all of the other spooky people. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity for only $15 today when you order pre-sale tickets. For ticket purchases, inquiries, and more info, please visit www.hauntfest.us. And don't forget to follow hauntfest.athens on Instagram for all of the updates about the festival. This year's slogan is, who cares about April Fools when you can go to April Ghouls? So obviously after receiving this letter, Derek and Maria are like, okay, fuck no, we're going to take all of our kids and not bring them in here. So the kids end up staying somewhere else. I don't know if they had a second house or stayed with grandparents or what, but the kids are not there. And they're now hesitating on moving in and they receive a third letter. This third letter reads quotes like, where have you gone? 657 Boulevard is missing you. This letter specifically makes me think of like Monster House. I don't know if anyone else watched that movie as a kid, but where, like, the house has feelings. This guy is literally writing these letters as if the house is writing them. The house does not have feelings, sir. So after a year of living in fear and in a house that isn't this one, clearly, the investigation still has no leads. Because to be fair, it's pretty hard to find somebody based off of three letters that have been hand-dropped. I forgot to mention this. No address. This was not shipped there. This is just hand-delivered to their front porch or mailbox every day. Every time, I should say. So throughout a year of feeling watched like this, 
and not just feeling it, you're experiencing it with these letters, the family starts having this sense of paranoia all the time. The father starts getting depressed and the mother starts developing PTSD. And only six months after that first letter arrived, the family finally decides to officially sell the house. Only at this point, all those rumors for all those New Jersey housewives, yeah, they got out. So now everybody knows the tea on this million dollar home and nobody wants to buy it. Derek and Maria even tried to sue the Woods family for not telling them about the letter that they received a few days before they moved in. And of course, the judge threw that out immediately because obviously the Woods family had no clue and it wasn't malicious intent. But from Derek and Maria taking this to court, it now is out in the media and the world is finding out about The Watcher. And like I said, guys, this was happening in 2014, 2015. So media was definitely a thing and it was definitely taking hold of this case very quickly. So Derek and Maria also try selling to developers to maybe tear down the house, make new lots, add a couple more houses. So then it's not just 657 Boulevard. It could be 657, 658, and 659, you know. But because it's in this HOA and there's all these boards basically that you have to go through, there was something about the property not having enough acres on it if they were to split it up to make several more houses so they wouldn't let them do it. Even though only a few years later, another house on that block did the same thing and was smaller than the house on 657 Boulevard. So if 657 Boulevard couldn't do it, why could they? So around December of 2015, the family starts receiving angry letters from neighbors. And these letters are titled things like friends of the Brodus family. And it's just threatening them to leave or fix the house or stop everything, basically. Thankfully for the Brodus family, in spring of 2016, a family came forward wanting to rent the house under the agreement that if another letter arrived, they would get out of the lease. And lo and behold, only two weeks after this new family moved in, a letter shows up on the doorstep. This letter is titled, The Vile and Spiteful Derek and His Wrench of a Wife. I mean, damn, you had to throw the wife in there? You had to call her a wrench? Vile and spiteful? Damn, this guy, he had some feelings. This letter went on to read, and I quote, 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its armies of supporter barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. You are despised by the house. And the watcher won. So this scared the family staying there, rightfully so once again. To be fair, I don't know why this family moved in in the first place. I would have taken one look at all three letters that had already come in before I decided to look at it and said, you know what? Maybe I don't want that. Maybe I don't want to just rent a place that already has a shit ton of drama happening around it. It's already huge in the media and literally whose address is already leaked. But even though it scared them, they stayed under the agreement that more cameras would be installed at the house, which they were. And that was the last letter ever received by the watcher. 
And this case is still open. It was never solved. So let's talk about some of the theories about what the hell happened here. So the first theory is that the Watcher is an anonymous man who goes under the name The Gamer. And I am saying that with such strong air quotes that I hope my fingers fall off from doing it. So late one night when police were investigating, around 11 p.m., a woman drove by and stopped right in front of the Watcher house. They traced the car back to a woman who lived out of town, but her boyfriend lived on the same street as 657 Boulevard. I don't know, maybe he was 650 or something. So they track her down and bring her in for questioning, and she tells him, yeah, I have a boyfriend who lives down there, he's really into video games, and some of his video games are like really weird and dark. And apparently one of these video games included a character called The Watcher. Now I have no idea what game that is, and I bet somebody listening to this has played whatever game it is, and they just had a gasp moment, and please DM me and let me know what it is, because I just have to know. So the boyfriend said, yeah, yeah, I'll come in for questioning, whatever, but never shows up the day he was supposed to be interviewed. And police didn't have enough evidence on him to actually bring him in under a warrant, so they never got to question him. And that's pretty much where theory number one stands, just some weird gamer with the same title, maybe a weird coincidence. That brings us to theory number two. A man named Michael Langford, who was the direct next-door neighbor of House 657. This is actually the person that Derek, the father of the family living in 657, believed wrote the letter originally. Apparently, Derek had met Michael the same week that the first letter had arrived at some neighborhood barbecue. Apparently, Michael and Derek kind of got into a little bit of beef at the barbecue. Derek had some feelings about it. You know how it goes. So like I said, Michael lived directly next door to Derek's house. He was staying with his 90-year-old grandmother, who had lived there since the 20s. Michael had lived there since the 60s, so all of it added up to the same timeline as the watcher saying that his grandfather and father had been watching that neighborhood for decades. We also learned that Michael's father had passed away 12 years earlier, which could indicate to part of the letter that talked about the better part of two decades. Not to mention that Michael also happened to be the neighborhood voyeur. He was the type of guy who just wandered through backyards, looked through windows as if they were glass mirrors, and didn't give a damn about anybody's privacy. And of course, Michael's house was positioned in such a way that his window would perfectly point to where the daughter was painting on the back porch. So with all this circumstantial evidence, police bring him in for questioning, and they brought him in after just the first letter was sent. So the second and third one don't even exist yet. Michael immediately denies knowing anything, and police stop questioning him after the second letter comes in, because they immediately just think, well, I guess he wouldn't keep sending them if we were investigating them, which makes no sense, but okay. But we also learned that while he was being interviewed by police, Derek and Maria sent a letter to Michael's house saying that they were going to demolish the house on 657, just to see if they could get a reaction out of this so-called watcher but nothing came of that letter. Around this point in the investigation is when they realized that there was DNA left on the letter. Now, when they ran this DNA, it was female, so this knocks off Michael from the list. They thought maybe it could be his mother or a sister or another family member. But after testing his sister's DNA and it wasn't a match, the police just drop Michael and his whole family and never give Derek and Maria an explanation as to why they drop it. 
Now, this could have been because Maria and Derek sent that other letter saying they were going to demolish the place. It could have been qualified as harassment. I understand that. But it's very odd all around. And that's pretty much where Michael's story ends. So that brings us to the third and final theory, which is the Brodus family made up the whole thing. And this is the one I slightly believe. So some people think that the family made this up to get out of financial trouble or to achieve some sort of fame. We find out that the Brodus family had moved homes three times. They started out in this quarter of a million dollar home to then move into a $750,000 home until they finally stopped by moving into the 657 Boulevard home at $1.3 million. So some of the locals started the rumor that they possibly had some buyer's remorse and were desperate just to get out of the lease and started whipping up this idea of these crazy letters coming in. But it also doesn't make sense how the letter would be received by the Woods family before they moved in. Some of the neighbors also thought it was odd that even though the Brodus family had decided to move out, they were still decorating the home and renovating it. Which I guess I understand if you're still trying to sell the place. Maybe you're just trying to make it look nice, trying to get a new buyer invested in it. Except for it now comes to light that that third letter, the one titled Friends of the Brodus Family, yeah, that letter was sent by Derek. He had claimed that after years, um, sorry, sir, year, one singular year, after years of frustration, he sent the letter himself, but claims that he never sent any of the other letters. Now, the only reasons that we have to think that maybe the family didn't do it was the Woods family receiving the letter before they moved in, and apparently another family on the block had received a letter from the Watcher around the same time that the Woods family did. So they're saying that the motive wouldn't make sense, because why would they have this financial remorse before they even get into the house? And I would like to say that I think that you can have it no matter what. Now, I'm not saying that they did, but if the Brodus family did make up this story... They did get what they wanted in the long run because in October of 2016, a horror movie called The Watcher was released by Lifetime. But the odd thing is, is that the Brodus family actually tried to get a cease and desist order, but failed. And Netflix ended up winning the rights to the story in 2018. In July of 2019, 657 Boulevard was finally sold for just under a million dollars shockingly almost a quarter of a million less than what it sold for originally and so far the new owners have made no claims of new letters from the watcher so tell me what you guys think do you think the family made it up do you think there was a crazy neighbor who didn't like this new family in the home do you think that the real housewives of new jersey just needed something to do that week let me know i am so so excited to be back you guys you can expect me back here this Thursday with a brand new episode. And don't worry, we are covering a real true crime unsolved case, murder and all. Not that we should be happy about murder, but I'm sorry it's fun to talk about, okay? Thank you so much for joining me. As always, my name is Audie, and this has been Audie's Oddities. <laughs>